talking about the art of neighboring. And we are talking about what it means to take the second com greatest commandment. The first one you remember was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one was to love your neighbor as, you, as yourself. What would it mean if we took that commandment seriously? So we are talking about that today. And today's sermon is called Amongst Band Bandits. <laughs> the, the, yeah, they were the masked bandits, now they're the unmasked bandits. They're not, this, these are not the bandits, you're going to hear about the bandits in a moment. But for many of us, our journeys to Christ, our, or our um, meeting of Christ, was not so much an event, but rather it was a journey. For most of us, coming to know Christ was a series of encounters with people who were living out the lifestyle of Christianity, were speaking about Jesus, were sharing their testimonies, were loving us as their neighbor, loving, them, loving us as themselves. And as, as we encountered these people step by sometimes laborious step, excuse me, I'm going to have to clear my throat. Are you all okay with that? Just cover your ears. <clears throat> Step by laborious step, so much better. Step by laborious step, we walked into the kingdom. There was a time when the faith sparked and we made a confession of our trust and faith in Jesus Christ and we were saved. But it was a journey to get there. And we're going to be talking about that journey today. In response to a man's desire to justify his mediocre lifestyle. Jesus told a story. This man decided that he was going to ask Jesus, he was a, a student of the law, he was going to ask Jesus how he could achieve eternal life. Jesus looked at him and said, you study the law, you know, you, you tell me. And he, he gave those two commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, well, go and do that. Seeking to justify himself, he asked this question, who is my neighbor? And Jesus told a story that would lead him out of a self-justifying lifestyle into a lifestyle of significance. Out of mediocrity into significance. A life of connection and meaning. And we're going to be talking about that today. So let's read the passage of scripture. It's in Luke 10. Jesus replied to the man, a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell, a man, sorry, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. 
Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Lord Jesus, we want to find ourselves in that story. And we want to find ourselves well in that story. Holy Spirit, I pray that today you would do a work in our hearts that like that lawyer would take us from a life of mediocrity to a life of significance, a life of connection and meaning. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to see our journey into Christianity. You, you would help us not to be that lawyer, but to be, to be people that are willing to walk with others and to be walked ourselves into the kingdom. Lord God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I would like to introduce you to two great people. My husband disappeared. Did the rapture happen and we didn't know about it? But you know him. He'll be back soon. First of all, <clears throat> excuse me, guys. I don't know what it is. <clears throat> but first of all, we have Miguel Smith. You know, you know, the wild thing about Miguel is that my children grew up with him. He grew up with my children. Our, uh, the Smith children and the Gosman children grew up together, so I've known him for a long time. I've, I've watched his walk with the Lord, and I've, I've been so impressed to see how steadfastly he's He's run after Jesus and how he has built his life around the truths that were embedded him in him from a young age. So we are delighted to have Miguel. Miguel has his master's in some kind of computer science. Electrical engineering. Electrical engineering. That's even more impressive. <laughs> and, and he works for a, a very well-known um, online marketing company. I won't say the name, but you probably have all used his services multiple times. And then we have Tobeka, who is on staff at Every Nation Ravesach. She, she has part of her master's in geology. I know, it's amazing. We have some very smart people here today. She chose to give that up in order to go into ministry. And she has been in campus ministry, in pastoral ministry, in prayer ministry, a phenomenal um, lightning rod for the power and presence of Jesus Christ. So we just love it a bit. Well, can we welcome them both? <clears throat> so they have some insights and some personal testimonies about the story. I'm going to allow them to share, and then we will wrap up and we will pray. So Miguel, over to you. Thank you very much. Oh, it's good to see that I'm on. Good morning, everybody. It's so, so good to be here. I'm so used to being on the other side of that screen. And so it's good to actually be able to see your faces. And to those online and to those outside, it's yeah, so good to be here. So yeah, we're tasked with looking at this Good Samaritan story. And I mean, I've listened to this story and I've heard the story many times in the past. And it was very easy for me to see myself in the role of the priest or the Levite because I could recognize and, and relate to that innate human nature to be selfish, to not want to be uncomfortable. And I could also relate to the Good Samaritan thinking, you know, pining towards being the Good Samaritan to somebody. That was something that I could really easily understand. But I very rarely thought about what it would be like to be the person on the ground, the robbed person sitting there in the dirt. And I would say largely that is due to my amazing parents who have raised me in a very solid, strong Christian home. They're sitting over there. 
And, you know, we were raised with very strong biblical and moral values. They, yeah, there's this scripture, Proverbs 22, verse 6. Um, yeah, that is the 22, verse 6. And <laughs> the scripture says, raise your kids in the right way. And when they're older, they will not be lost. And my parents knew this well. And they knew that we would remember it if they raised us in that way. And so, you know, I grew up in the womb, in the church. I was an every nation <laughs> baby from the start. I was in his kids, his tots, his disciples, his youth, which was Ignite Youth at the time, until eventually I graduated to the big people's church, which is where we are now. Amen. So good. But throughout that time, whilst church was a blessing, I definitely realized that there was not this defining moment in my journey as a Christian. There wasn't this, you know, all fire and passion, and all of a sudden I was a Christian and I knew who Jesus was. It was a slow progression, and that built a strong foundation, but it also meant that I didn't know what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus. So, fast forward to the beginning of my grade 12 year, my matric year, and I had one foot in the world and one foot in Christianity. I did all the Christian things, I was at church, but I didn't really, yeah, I didn't really have that defining Jesus moment, you know, I didn't have anything that really could, I could look at and say, you know what, this was my moment where I really got to know Jesus. Um, yeah, and so my choices in life had led me to be that person lying on the ground, you know, beaten to the proverbial ground, feeling like I was wounded, like I was trying to get up, but I just couldn't. And um, so fast forward on a few months, I, I'd really tried as far as possible to keep going to church. I knew that I wasn't living the life that I was meant to, but I kept going to church because I knew if anything is going to show me Jesus, it's going to be somewhere in the church. I made sure to always tell my friends, even though I knew my life wasn't the best example, I was like, you know what, I believe in Jesus, I am a Christian, and yes, I'm going to do things that aren't exactly Christian-like, but that is what I believe, and that was a deep, deep set truth in my heart. So, yeah, a few months on, I'm sitting with a friend, and she says, hey, you know what, I've been around you quite a lot, and I, I want to go to church with you, like you've been talking about this, and so I was sitting there, and Obviously, when you hear that, that's, that's the most exciting thing you're ever going to hear. And I was trying to, you don't want to respond like you want to respond, right? You don't want to freak them out and chase them away. So I was kind of like, yeah, yeah sure. Uh, yeah, sure, come to church with me. No, no big deal. So that Sunday, we, uh, I fetched her from her house and we took her to Every Nation Rosebank. And what happened from that Sunday forward was just this revelation, this explosion of Jesus in her life she realized and, and, and came to know Jesus in a way that I hadn't seen anybody in my age group or somebody like me come and see Jesus. And it was that moment that I looked and I realized, like, this is what I'm missing. This is what I'm missing. It's this strong, deep revelation of, wow, God is a passionate God. You know, those words in the book, in the Bible, they're not just words, there's life behind them. And so from that moment forward, there was just this, journey that God started taking me on. He, he was my good Samaritan. He came in that moment and he picked me up and said, here we go. Here's what a healed person looks like. Here's what a relationship with me looks like. And yeah, it was an incredible start to the journey. So, you know, again, roll on a few years. I've gone into university. I was at the University of Witzer. That's where I started my the, journey. The best university. 
I can't comment on that. <laughs> because uh, the very next sentence is, so then I would apply to Stellenbosch University. The, the second best university. My, my two Stellenbosch friends, KG and, and <laughs> they, they, they know it is the best university. Anyways, so, sorry. Listen Carol. to everything else he says except that statement. <laughs> I mean, so I'd applied to Wits because my mom and she went there, my older brother went there, they both loved it, and I thought, oh, okay, why not? But God led me to apply to Stellenbosch. And I had a friend down there and a friend up here who was moving down there, and they said, come join, it's going to be great. And so I said, okay, you know what, you know what? I want to make sure that this is what you want, God. And so I don't know if you've ever watched high jump in the Olympics. The bar is set, the people run and jump over it, and it's quite tough to get over that bar. So I was sitting there in prayer, and I was like, okay, Jesus, here's my high bar. I set it out very nicely, and I said, I want to know that this is you. So here's my bar. I don't want to repeat first year. I don't want to waste money. I don't want to go through it again. It was quite terrible. I just want to go into second year. Jesus, if you can make that happen, this is going to be something that I know you want me to do. So put that in a prayer, went to sleep, there's my high bar. The very next day, I woke up to an email saying, from the Dean of Engineering at Stellenbosch, and he said, congrats, you just happen to be in the one engineering program where everything you missed in Stellenbosch isn't needed in the second year. So we're just going to push you over to the second year, and it's fine. <laughs> so good. Jesus, Jesus pretty much just went right over that ball. So I go, whoa, 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 whoa. That's nice, but I need two different things to like really, really. And I mean, there's many stories in the Bible of people doing this. It doesn't end well for them. But I kept doing it anyways. So I set the bar a little bit high and said, okay. But, Jesus, I need to get into a residence. I don't have anywhere to stay. Res is expensive. I can only afford the university residences, but the applications have closed because I've taken so long to, I'm going to join this or not. So, geez, there it is. I'm sending in my application. I need somewhere to stay. I don't think they're going to appreciate me living in the lecture halls. And um, so, again, put that bar, bread, work up, again, another email saying, congratulations, you're in your first choice of university. You get to choose three different choices. You're in your first choice, and that just so happens to be the place where the one person you know down there is staying at the moment. And that's when I knew, like, this is going to be the place. This is exactly where I need to be. And that was just incredible. So from that moment, I joined the next year. Um, I went down to Stellenbosch. It was the first time I'd been away from home, but I was excited because I knew that God had a place for me to go to. And, and if I look at the story of the Good Samaritan, this was him leading me to this inn. This was the inn, the safe place, where all of a sudden I was surrounded by people who were exactly the same as me. There was people who were going through the same things, struggling with the same things, but also encouraging me to be better and better and more and more. And that, that safe place is what led me to pretty much change my life. I met my wife down there in the very first week. Of course, in that first week, she wasn't my wife yet, but we got there in the end, and, and she encourages me to be the person that God has called me to be. She challenges me to be the best Christian that I can be. And yeah, she is just incredible. She's not here this morning. She's watching online. She's a teacher and has to mark. So if any of you have kids, appreciate teachers because this is what they do for your kids. Um, and I met Fifi down there. Fifi was a great mentor to me. I absolutely love him. And yeah, so I came back from that place as a healed, healthy person in the inn, taken care of. And that was purely because of Jesus 
the church down there and, and all of my friends. And so when I was thinking about, okay, well, all of that now makes sense, but what made the Good Samaritan the Good Samaritan? How did he get to the point where he could walk down this road, see the person lying there, and go out of his way, out of his comfort zone, and help this person when he knew that it would come at great personal sacrifice? And it distilled it down after praying a lot about it to an idea of duty versus love. And my life feels like it follows this, the same kind of pattern, where the priest and the Levite in that story, they were duty, their duty in their roles as, as the priest and, and whatever the Levite was doing at the time, their role is to look after the people, to teach them, to help them. And so that was their duty, but there isn't always love in duty. Yeah. Sometimes duty can be very difficult. And so when they were walking along the road, there was nobody else, and they saw what they saw as duty. It wasn't enough for them to cross the road. But love, the Good Samaritan, walked over, and I'm sure he saw this person and thought, this is the oppressor of my people. These are the oppressors that, you know, in another circumstance, that could be me, and he could be walking here. But love was enough for him to walk over the road and pick him up put him on his donkey, walk him to the inn. And I look at my relationship with Jesus and my journey, and duty could never get me to a relationship with God. It was a strong foundation. It was an important piece of the puzzle, but it wasn't enough to push me into a relationship with God and really dig in and love him. And so, yeah, I look at that, and I think my friends, the church, my family, my wife, we, all of them at some point have been that good Samaritan to me. They've been the one who's picked me up when I've needed picking up taken me to a safe place, said, hey, we see you, we encourage you. They've challenged me to not just sit there, to actually be healthy and whole. And my, my hope for you is that this echoes in your heart, that one day somebody is going to talk about you as their Good Samaritan. So great. Thank you. So great. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Gosh, I feel like we could all just like worship Jesus for a moment. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. That is so great. I'm going to hand over to Rebecca, and then we, will, um, then we will pray at the end. Hey, guys. Um, you know, I feel so unprepared. Like, I feel like he's so mellow, and I'm standing up because I'm not as mellow. <laughs> so I'm going to stand. <laughs> um, so growing up, I was a fairly good child. Né? Like, it didn't cause too much trouble. And when I did, it wasn't really the instigator. <laughs> and I mostly did what I was told. This one time, to the marvel of my dad, he walked into my room and there was a giant name on the wall. It was my sister's name who was in college, Zamandungo. <laughs> and when I wrote that, I was like, there's no way they would think it was me because it's not my name on the wall. <laughs> And my dad, he stood by the, by the door and with such love in his eyes. Tobega, why did you write on the wall? You are not in trouble. I denied, 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 <laughs> and denied. <laughs> and he looked at me and he was like, okay, I love you, have a good night. Now, if I had actually confessed that I wrote on the wall because I wasn't happy, that he's selling the house and my home is no longer my home, he would have held me and he would have said, I'm so sorry. When he stood there, he was trying to understand me. He wanted to show me compassion because he was my dad. I did not award him that opportunity. 
we have a God who is, who shows mercy and compassion. And my prayer is that we would be people who allow him to show him mercy, who allow him to show us his mercy and to show us his compassion. Miguel, like, talked about how he, in the story, he rarely ever saw himself as the person who was on the ground. <laughs> and the truth is, when, when we take a close look at sin, what it is, its impact in our lives, its ability to just destroy us <laughs> and destroy community and just like, and destroy nations, you will realize that all of us, all of us, we are the man who, was bitten by, who is bitten by sin, stripped of our identity, who we are, who God has called us to be, and we were left to die on the road because the wages of sin is death. It's the truth. <laughs> in next, yay, <laughs> there it is. Um, in Matthew 9, 36, it says this. Jesus, talking about Jesus, he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd talking about the crowds of people who are harassed and helpless because of sin and the impact of sin. And Jesus doesn't look on them and say, you did this to yourself. His heart is consumed with compassion for his people. And he longs to have compassion on his people. Yeah. So, the message of the gospel, who Jesus is, when we really look at it, what he has done for us, Jesus is our good Samaritan. He is the one who sees us bitten by sin, bitten by some of the choices that other people make, and some of them it's the choices that we have made, and he chooses to have mercy on us. He, he sees us, he has compassion, and he longs to show us his mercy. Jesus, he, he stepped into our lives. He stepped into the world. He didn't just see from heaven, but he stepped into the world so that he can identify with our suffering, so that he can identify with the things that we go through. He was tempted just as we are always tempted. He wanted to be one who is able to understand the things that we are going through so that he may show us mercy. And he didn't just want to, he preached, like, you know when he came into the world, the scripture talks about how he traveled and preaching the good news, telling people, hey, you are not a sheep without a shepherd. You have a father in heaven who has loved you and has always loved you and is calling you and drawing you to himself. He preached the message of the kingdom of God that is reaching into your life and pulling you up and saying, live. Jesus healed the sick. Guys, God does not want anyone to be ill. Like, you know, just like your body just turning against you. God doesn't want that. He healed the sick. He, he drove out demons. This is what God 
did for us because he loved us and he was intent he intended to show us mercy i'm losing my way give me a minute <laughs> uh, Isaiah 59, verse 15, I'm going to read part 2, um, to 17 says this. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man, and he wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate, a helmet of salvation on his head, he put on garments of vengeance for clothing. He wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak to show us his love and mercy. God became a warrior for us. He stood and he said, not my people who are called by my name. They will know my goodness. They will know my mercy. They will know my love. So whatever you are, whatever you are going through, this is who God is reaching down to you as. If you are in mourning, he's saying you will know my goodness and you will know my mercy. Yay, yeah. awesome. God's people are for all people. You know, when you look at the story of the Good Samaritan and if you understand the history, of these two cultures, you will know that um, this story is being told to the Jews about a good Samaritan. But Jews don't really mix well with the Samaritans. Kind of like Zulus and Kosas. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, we are friends, but I don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. And, and yet, Jesus is telling a story of a good Samaritan to the Jews. When I, before I became a Christian, kind of like Jews and Samaritans, I did not get on with Jesus' people. They were not my people. <laughs> like, I just, what they were about and me, we just, we didn't mix well. And yet... I had this school teacher in primary school who taught about Jesus. And I remember I was so captivated by how good Jesus is. And I remember I, I even told my grandmother, like, this Jesus, he died for us in his grade. There I was doing evangelism in grade two. And then life happened. And Jesus who? <laughs> What's that? Oh, that guy. Uh, boring church, boring church. And then in high school, there was a pastor that was invited and he preached up a storm. I don't remember what it was about, but I remember when at the end he asked, who would like to have Jesus as their Lord and Savior? My hand straight up, stood up, went to the front, said the prayer, yes, I'm Jesus' person. I came back, I sat down, my friend turns to me, Tabega, you are born again. I'm like, me, what? No. <laughs> Clearly I didn't understand what I was doing. And then I went back to my life. This poor guy in university caught me on a very bad day as I was walking from campus. And he came up to me to tell me that God loves me. <laughs> Boy, was I mean to him. 
I was so horrible to him. But this guy, I don't remember his name, but I remember him now. That even though I was not their people, at every step of the way, there was always someone reaching out to me, sharing the good news of what Jesus has done for me, sharing the good news of how Jesus has compassion on me and has mercy on me, and he longs to be good to me. It was a long journey, two steps forward, three steps back. I'm here at church, I'm not anymore. It was, yeah. And then, funny enough, because God is God, I had this group of friends, and we got along fine, except for one thing. They were Jesus people. <laughs> like, we studied together, we did things together, but they were Jesus people. And whenever they started talking about the Jesus and the gospel, I zoned out, but they tried time and time again to share the gospel with me. Eventually, I did give my life to the Lord, but what strikes me about this group of friends is that they saw that I was struggling with sin and the impact of sin in my life, and then they said no. You know, they would pray for me without me even knowing. I only found out after I gave my life to the Lord that they would have prayer meetings about me. <laughs> Look at God. But... That is who God is. So, next slide. Who is a neighbor? He sees suffering, has compassion, shows mercy. So, when you look at your life, and when you look at our lives, I'd like us to wonder, who can we be a good neighbor to? Who can we be a good Samaritan to? Who can we show mercy on? Who can we forgive the wrong that they have done for us? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Miguel Tobeka, thank you. Powerful, powerful testimonies. You know, as, as we close today, there's a symbol that stands forever for Christianity, and that is the cross. And something that many people don't understand, especially in today's independent, isolated world, is that the cross is not just a vertical beam. It's a horizontal beam as well. And the truth of the matter is that one of the greatest ways that God speaks to you is through other people who have him inside of them. One of the greatest ways God shows compassion, mercy, love, assists and helps you is through others. And I know so many believers who are just having their own independent, individual Life with God, I pray, I, I spend time in the garden with Jesus. Me and Jesus, we like this. But Jesus, people, uh, I'm telling you now that the way God changes us is through our connection to others. And connections with different people. Tobeka touched on the cultural differences. We are committed to building a multicultural church. That is not easy. You want to grow a quick church? Grow a monoculture church. You want to grow a church that looks like heaven? Look around you. And we don't just want different cultures, different people sitting together. We want to get into each other's lives. One of the words for church literally means a gathering. Every metaphor for being a Christian and being church is not just being added to Jesus, but being added to a body. It's being added to the church. The Bible doesn't say the gates of hell will not prevail against you as a Christian. It says the gates of hell will not prevail against the corporate church. And so many Christians are lone rangers out there. Even if, if you're sitting watching and you're close enough to come to church, I want to encourage you, come 
put your behind on a chair here and get around people. Because I want to say this to you, you cannot live in victory in the kingdom on your own. I know for me I would not be standing here today if it weren't for people who came and spoke into my life, supported me, held up my arms during difficult times. We need one another. And it says that each part of the body does its works as the joints and ligaments supply. Those joints and ligaments are the relationships we have with one another. And you can sit here on a Sunday and not be in relationship. And so we're encouraging you. How do I build with others? How do I reach out to others? How do I be Jesus to others and allow others to be Jesus to me? Amen. Lord, we bless every person here. Lord God, we, we acknowledge you as our good Samaritan. Thank you for picking us up. Thank you for cleaning us up. Thank you for sending other good Samaritans into our life. Thank you for leading us to a place where we can choose you. Holy Spirit, in turn, we ask that we would be good Samaritans to many others. Lord, help us to see the people around us, to love, to show mercy, to reach out, to speak our testimony to them to tell them of what you have done for us, to bring them to church, to bring them into the fellowship of the believers, Lord. Father God, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we all stand? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? Can we give Tobeka and Miguel a hand? Weren't they amazing? This is our church. This is our church. This is you. This is all of us in this church. We're so grateful to you guys. God bless you. Have a glorious, glorious day. Don't forget to sign up for Connect Groups. Because that's where, that's where you find your good Samaritans. That's where you be your good Samaritans. One of the places anyway. God bless you. Have a glorious week. Amen.